Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I absolutely loved it. It was just one of those films that just kicks you right in the face. Uh, it's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. You don't get to see that often, if ever. And then the soundtrack on top of that. You got Jay-Z, you got Kid Cudi, you got everybody. Yeah. It's that just is... it's just so it's just full of sass. Mm. That's the best yeah. way to really put it. It doesn't it doesn't try and hide itself behind the conformities and constraints of typical white westerns. Not just one of the best female fights, but just one of the best fight scenes I've seen, hand to hand fight scenes I've seen since like John Wick. It defies its genre completely. And it just does it with spectacular effect. It's just a hell of a ride. Hello, film fans. Joining Flix Watcher in the studio today, we have Kalechi. Hey, how's it going? Katie. <laughs> Hello. And Kobe. Yo. And we're here today to review The Harder They Fall. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello everyone, welcome to Flixwatcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Kalechi and Katie. If you could please say hello, tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are, please. Hi, uh, my name's Katie Smith-Wong. I'm a freelance film critic based in London. And my name is Kalechi Henula, and I'm also a freelance film critic uh, based in London as well, writer for Confessions of a Geek Mind, um, which is my blog, as well as several other outlets, which include Film Stories and Jump Cut Online. You guys both write for film stories, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah, is, that we how do. You, is that how you became friends? or um... Um, we, we, Mutual acquaintances, I think, yeah. is the best way to put it. But I sure. think um, we, we're friends also because we feel that underrepresented female film critics need to have a bigger presence. Yeah. <laughs> that and also Katie happened to be at a Captain Marvel press screening and was <laughs> noting the fact that there was a lack of female critics in there. And I saw the tweet and retweeted it and then it exploded. <laughs> was, that, was that your meet? Did you meet then after that? Was that Basic, like... Basically, like, yeah. I think we were at a, a friend's party and then we were like, oh, snap, that's Kate. You're the girl that has me <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it was. It was a very. That was a very weird press screening because essentially, what happened was um, we were queuing. Well, I was queuing with some with some friends who were also female film critics, and I was just looking at this queue, and it was a lot of Caucasian men, and it was just like, where's the representation, especially when it's a female led Marvel film? So I just mm. took this picture, and I was like okay so there's a lack of diversity here it's not just female it's not just female attendees but also people of color and that was why kind of what we i think what we, we both collectively now want to try and try and raise through our through film criticism that is fair enough and obviously that's that's 
like the prime film in superherodom to have addressed that. And I know, like speaking to other female film critics, like Helena Hara, for example, the, the, the amount of times she talks about being often the only female critic there, but then when it comes to a rom-com, there's suddenly all these women there. You're like, hold on, where have you been half the time? So <laughs> yeah. I would have even thought that they'd have the foresight to get more women in um, a female, but no. It's the, it's the same with being a, the only black critic in the room. Mm. Or the Asian critic. Or the yeah. Asian yeah. critic in the room. And then suddenly, you know... Like the you farewell get comes along. You get, you get the black, the... You, you get Boxing Day and then suddenly, yeah. oh, I'm surrounded by my people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, you say that, you know, but I, w- I did not see many sh- Asian Asian attendees in Shang Chi and Ten Rings. Yeah. It was it was so, very very. So maybe it's a Marvel night. thing. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not losing my Marvel cre- credibility right now. No, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, Marvel. If you hear this, it's just Kobe speaking. Although, if you want to send myself and Helen to Marvel stuff for free, you know, in the states or Atlanta or you know Wakanda, <laughs> we'll go. <laughs> Clitch, we're here. We're here talking about the harder they fall, which is your choice. Uh, can you tell us first of all why you chose it, and uh, I'll get the timer up, and you can give us your synopsis in sixty seconds or less or fewer, which is grammatically correct. <laughs> um, so I chose the harder they fall because, in just simple, plain terms, it's an awesome film. That's, <laughs> <laughs> there's no sugar in it. It is an awesome kick-ass of a ride film um and it's a story um that deals with trauma and revenge and how it shapes the lives of others and they how they um grow up to be and it's about a young kid um named nat love and he witnesses um the death of his parents at the hand of rufus buck who's played by idris elba and idris elba is out here doing pretty much a pre-bond opening credit sequence with as the man with the golden <laughs> guns and with um nat love being traumatized by that singular experience he grows up transforms into the beautiful jonathan majors and he basically goes on a quest of revenge and he forms a gang called the nat love gang and that's joined by Zazie Beetz, who plays Stagecoach Mary, and a whole load of other cast members. And they are going after the Rufus Buck gang. Katie, what are your thoughts? I absolutely loved it. It was just one of those films that just kicks you right in the face with this great cold open and then those credits that just screams attention with this really awesome track. And it mm. just sets the mood, sets the pace really, really well. And I was worried at the beginning that it was going to be one of the, like a Tarantino-esque kind of westerns. But when you see the cast, when you see the story was based on real people and the direction that it takes, it's just a hell of a ride. That's the best way that I can put it. Do you think, I mean, I thought about Tarantino whilst watching this. I was like, I don't think Tarantino could do this. To be honest with you. No, 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 because yeah. Tarantino would just use the N word every single like thirty seconds or something like that. Do you know what I mean? So, and also, I don't think he's got the deafness of touch anymore that he would. It would be like it'd be bloated. It'd be a lot of fun. Maybe some dialogue would be tighter or more interesting. I don't know, but it just, it just wouldn't be a, a fun thrill ride. Um, Helen, um, for a debut picture, it was very surprising. Like to have this as your debut film to come out right from the start. Um, I don't think I was quite prepared for how violent it was. It's extremely <laughs> violent. We should say that if if you don't like violence, then this is probably not going to be for you. Um, 
it's a very very cool kind of slick feature it looks amazing it sounds amazing there's there's so much going on i'm not sure the story really got me which i think is more to the fact that it's a western kind of story and i'm traditionally not very much into westerns but there's some bits that i really love like regina king's apple peeling skills little touches like that that really kind of just kind of like made it and makes these characters and they all have their little quirks and it it's just kind of the colors as well like i've never seen the wild west look mm. that colorful which i think for me was quite surprising because westerns tend to be kind of quite brown and, and drab and, and you know everyone's kind of wearing greys and browns but there's so much kind of colour everything that's kind of popping I'm with you if someone says a new western's coming out I'm like I mean who's who's in it um, and I've always been <laughs> I tend to be surprised when with recent westerns you know Slow West for example I really really enjoyed that as a, as a recent western there's a scene with Zazie Beats and Regina King where they have just not just one of the best female fights but just one of the best fight scenes I've seen, hand-to-hand fight scenes I've seen since like John Wick. It's like set in a, in a, in a dye factory where they're dyeing cloths and it's just imagination. Uh, it's just beautiful, just absolutely beautiful. You don't get to see that often, if ever. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was just amazing. And then the soundtrack on top of that, again, not a typical Western soundtrack. You don't have the kind of noodling, <laughs> whatever nonsense. Any Morricone type of... Yeah, as, as much as it's also... Felicuti, it's... Yeah. You got Jay Z, you got Kid Cudi, you got everybody. Yeah. It's that just, is. it's just so, it's just full of sass. Mm. That's the best yeah. way to really put it. It doesn't, it doesn't try and hide itself behind the conformities and constraints of typical white westerns. It was something. It, it, J- director James Samuel, he he just wanted to kind of deliver this groundbreaking film mm. in that in a genre that is quite is would it defies it defies its genre completely. And it just does it with to a spectacular effect. Yeah, the fact that it is based on real life people, and is able, and James Samuel is able to craft a story based around all those real life people, and basically tell a story about how representation and history matters. Yeah, and that's something that's really connected with me because when you think about the traditional westerns, you think about you know the John Ford. Um, like Stagecoach or even like John Wayne films. Mm-hmm. And you think about how blackness or even in a broader spectrum, people of color and how they are systematically erased from those stories as into the point where you- Or maligned in them. Like maligned, yeah. Chinese, so they're, they're, Latinx they're, they're or they've, black, yeah. Yeah. So they're never, we're never, there's always a feeling that you don't belong. And even though you're watching hit stories about good versus evil and cowboys versus Indians, the fact that you don't see yourself is- where you don't feel like you don't have a story to tell. Mm. And when when you've got something like this, like The Heart of the Fall, you have a story that just basically says, no, we we existed. We we were real. We were there. We were part of this journey. And that is, and the way it does it, and we talk about, you know, Quentin Tarantino as, but it's not even, a, even that I would say, it's not even a Quentin Tarantino, it's a James Samuel film. Absolutely. It takes, it takes the aesthetics of a Tarantino film but makes it better, and he has he has fun with it. Mm. It is the, probably the most. It's like a black exploitation flair, but with a conscious and a nuance to everything that it does. And you know, Helen, you talk about the story. I think it's absolutely fantastic in this in the story because how many times have we seen with um, 
with stories and black stories in, in particular, where we don't necessarily get a, a respite from triggers and traumas that deals with slavery and and other things that do with it. Yeah, torture, slavery, any of those things that are stories that have been told time and time again, but I've not found a new context or a new way of examine re-examining the argument. And I point out to things like Antebellum and even some, something like Amazon Prime's Them. Here's a story that is basically about blackness, how blackness is not a monolith, and how it looks at cultures and communities and how it's about the family that you make. And that's expressed with the, between the two gangs. And that's how you get the humor, the jokes, the drama, and everything else that comes along with it. And it's also about how women were not just seen as these objects of desire. They were Absolutely. they had there was they have a strength toward to them. They were not cowering in the background. They were there side by side next to the people who were defending themselves fighting against them. That's why I think the fight between Zelly Beats and Regina King was just so full of power. It was mm. unrestrained. It was it was not it did they didn't they didn't hold anything back. And that's what yes. you kind of want in female characters, especially in the Western, when men's supposed to take charge. No, this was the women standing their own ground, showing that they can hit as hard as the men can. Yeah. I want to talk, I, I want to say take a minute to think about the cast, but it's, when we talk about the cast, it's, I could talk for hours and days and years and infinity, but I'm just going to pick out a few people. I'm going to go quickly because again, there's a lot of them. Jonathan Majors, fucking hell. RJ Siler, who um, I first saw me, Earl and the Dying Girl, who I loved then. Zazie Beetz, Reggie King, Lakeith Stanfield. Oh my God. Dion Cole, who's a comedian who I really, really like at the moment. Um, Idris Elba. Good Lordy. Z anyone. Delroy Lindo. So before yeah. before this, the, the, main, the only character I knew from this was was Bass. Bass Reeves, who's uh, Delroy Lindo's character. And that's from watching The Watchmen. So he was the only character I knew before then, but you know, I was I was so eager to like check out Cherokee Bill whilst watching the film. I was like, no, 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 wait until the film's finished, and then I can do my my Wikipedia uh, check. But guys, this cast list, and I've I've just picked on the you know a small subset of this, but this is insane, right? Yes, it's it's um black excellence in a roll call. <laughs> that's the, that's the, it's, it's but that just shows you I think that like the power and belief behind the concept and how much they they jumped onto it I mean Katie and I had the lucky you know the privilege of um, attending the LFF press conference for mm. the holiday fall and you can see how much this film meant to everybody on the cast and particularly for James Samuel and you can, when you hear James Samuel talk, you can almost listen to him for days because he is so knowledgeable, but also so witty and funny. And how he described the project, how he, you know, he wanted to do something that was about a Western and he knows a Westerns is a very niche, but it's, it's also come from his own childhood and how he connected with Westerns. And to bring that to, to life and to fruition, he got... Idris on board, he got Regina King and Jonathan Majors was probably like, I think the last part, the last piece of that puzzle. That in itself shows you that there was, they all passionately believed in the story and to tell it in the most authentic way it can be whilst having a brilliant time doing it. And you can see that from the on-screen performances. You can see it when, whenever Lakeith is so cool, mm -hmm. But at the same time, is completely deadly and violent. You can feel it in um, CJ um, Siler's humor. You know, I'm lightning with the blam blams. You know, and him playing tricks. Um, and also, like as as Katie mentioned, 
with the female characters, they are in if it, if it's not Nat Love, you know, the characters in Nat Love and Rufus Buck, you know, being the main central storyline, the women are the MVPs of this of this uh, film. Cuffy too. Regina we, King. We have... Yeah, Reco- yeah, yeah, Cuffy as well. Regina King is my MVP because she's my queen. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cuffy, <laughs> um, but Danielle Deadwire as Cuffy, um, and you know, pretending to be a boy, dressing up as well, and playing into that man as well, but still keeping that that essence that I can I can still compete with everybody and I don't care who I am. Well, she's the bouncer um, in the club and everyone... Yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, knuckle dusters, everything, and she holds her own. And her introduction in that scene is amazing because it's saying, I'm, you're not taking, I'm not taking any shit from you. Respect me. If you got any problem, take your business outside in the street. I don't care. But if you're going to come and cause trouble, you're going to get a fistful of dollars in my fist. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, and that, and that shows you like, that is very, for me, very empowering to see that as, as characters, Mm. especially for the female characters. As Katie said, it's not about watching characters who are subservient, they're not maids. These are people who are equal to the people that are on screen. You know, there's a brilliant moment with, between um, Regina King and Idris Elba, which I found out was actually improvised. And it's a show of solidarity and they bow their heads towards each other when um, Rufus Buck is released from his uh, cage cell. Yeah, okay. And that shows a, a, a sign of respect that you are my equal, we are family. And that it, that shows you the level of like, there's no kind of hierarchy. There's no kind of, you know, I'm better than you or anything like that. It's like what we're doing, we're doing this together. And that in itself is one of the essence of why it makes it so brilliant. Katie or Helen, is there any any members of that cast who you hadn't seen before or any members of the cast that stuck out to you this time round or you were looking forward to particularly seeing? I think all the cast were, they, they just surprised me because they just raised the bar to this, to such a great level that all of them play, almost play along on the same kind of calibre. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Regina King is all I've always been a, a big fan of hers ever since I watched her in Ray. So seeing her play this kick ass character, she, especially after uh, her her directorial debut, uh, One Night in Miami, Miami. Mm-hmm. yeah. So to see her back on the screen, it was just a really it's like it was a comfort to see her <laughs> in such a great role. My fan of Regina King went back to like Boys in the Hood. I was thinking that, <laughs> even though she's she's only in it for seconds, but then yeah, every yeah. time you see her again, there's something about her, right? I was thinking like actors yeah. with like amazing eyes and she's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Especially also, I just remembered in, uh, what was it? Jerry Maguire? No, Bill Street. That was that, where she won the Oscar. So yeah. that just, kind of, she, every time she's on the screen, she, she just, it's so brilliant. It's is class and she's so multi-talented she can do anything like I, you know after bill street you had watchman mm-hmm. the hbo tv series one of the best things ever. yeah one of the best things ever in terms of talking about comic book legacy and you know black culture and how it's been raised out of that and she's just been on a high you know she was always great but she's been on this this road where it's literally she's transformed into one of the most elite stars ever mm. like she is amazing at what she does. Helen, anyone for yourself that you that you were excited to see or hadn't heard of before that you're like, damn, I need to know more about them in the future? Um, we, we've kind of already said like loads about Regina King. Um, I think it's great. And Western, I, I mean, I am not don't really know that many Westerns, but I certainly can't think of any Westerns with strong female characters. And she kicks a lot of ass. That's great. And 
the Keith, like always, always um, a pleasure to see him. And Delroy Lindo, which when I was watching this, I was kind of reminded of um, the Five Bloods and his performance in that. And then if you kind of watch this as a companion piece, like Jonathan Majors there as well. He's, he's mm-hmm. just, yeah, it's just great to see and even idris as well who is how old is he now is he in his 50s, 50s? 50s? So you, yeah. you've got you've got like a main character big star in their 50s in a film that's modern and relevant which is is really great to see not very often we kind of get these ensemble casts to come along but yeah and then there was other i'd never seen stagecoach mary before with kind of like rocking a slash wig, I don't, I don't know, with the top hat and <laughs> I was thinking, kind of I was the hair. Slash, <laughs> slash wig. November rain of, solo in any second. Was it, there's, there's church in there as well. I was no. kind of like wondering, yeah. you know, is she going to get a guitar out and rock a guitar? Um, so plenty of newcomers um, for me. Um, so yeah, but Delroy Lindo for me was probably a nice surprise. He kind of comes along and it's he's like his role in it is almost like that kind of friendly face and you're like, Oh yeah, he's, you know, he's the good guy. Like we're on his side. We want to be on his side. <laughs> um, yeah. I think Lakeith, Lakeith for me and um, Jonathan Majors, Jonathan Majors, when I first saw him in the five bloods, I was like, he's this annoying guy. And then like everything I've seen him in, I'm like, fucking hell, he's brilliant, isn't he? <laughs> like it's amazing last, in Lovecraft, amazing yeah. in uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, amazing which is when in, I first saw it. Amazing in the last episode of Loki, um, monologuing alongside um, Tom Hiddleston and um, well, the two Lokis, as you say. And I was just like, yeah. well, this guy, he's on the up and up. Um, so, yeah. He was he was also in the most recent Lovecraft drama. Yeah, that's what, that's what yeah. uh, Clitch said, yeah, Lovecraft Country. Yeah. So yeah. I haven't seen that um Please do watch it. Everyone's nodding like highly recommended. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I do. I do recommend it. If you, it's another. It's a a bit like the holiday fall in terms of how it remixes a genre. Mm. Um, So you have a TV series that basically says, "Imagine you know Raiders of the Lost Ark, but we replace everybody with black characters." Imagine a haunted house scenario and replace it with black characters. So every episode is almost a commentary on how blackness has been erased out of popular culture, but also is telling this very mystical Lovecraftian journey that involves family and history and legacy. Sounds more up my street than Westerns. Now TV. (laughs) I think it's back on Now TV again. I think so. Is there anything else you guys want to say before we head to the scores? Spoiler, but um, potential sequel, do we think? Well, because um, it was teased, should... so it's a tease. Mm. I feel like they should just leave that. I, I kind of yeah. like, I like it as it, as it is. I think it, I'm not saying it like James can't top what he did, mm. but I think there's something. I think there's a tendency with, Holly, with with sequels, like they just make it for the sake of making it and not kind of having an actual thought through and plan. Um, that's not to say that's with the harder they fall, but I like the fact that it's almost self-contained and the fact that my girl, Regina King gets to live. (laughs) (laughs) So in my own head canon, I can imagine what that potential sequel could look like, but I don't necessarily need to see it because the film in itself is awesome in itself. Um, one thing I wanted to say was the, just James Samuels. Um, I became aware of him because I was a big fan of the bullets, um, and his, his music. And I was like, this today minus thirty days when I realised he was actually Seal's brother, but I didn't know I didn't know, I didn't know that at all. Even though I really loved his music and um, and he was like someone who I heard the first song one the first song I heard of his and like 
a year later or two years later, the album came out. I was like, dude, what have you, what have you been doing? And I realized the album and then disappeared. This is like 2013. So I just thought he was one of those people that kind of did good music, but then, Hey, you know, it didn't, it didn't work out. And then suddenly it comes out with this badass film. I'm like, what? Uh, so I'm looking forward to it. I'm, you know, I haven't listened to soundtrack in isolation and looking forward to doing so because I know his musical library and I think it's better than Seal. To be honest, from my point of view. <laughs> um, how, how dare you dish on seal? Well, <laughs> no, you did kiss from a rose, goddammit. You did kiss from a rose, which is which is fine, which is fine. But yeah, I mean Helen Helen said, you know, directorial debut, um, which is it annoys me when people come out with the the skilled in different areas. Um so yeah, fair play to him. Look, look forward to seeing more from him. I'm sure, I'm sure Hollywood will be calling, especially if he can ensemble Idris Elba to, to Zazie Beats in the same film. You know, they <laughs> they are taking notice of this guy 100%. Should we head to the scores? Let's head over to the scores. Hello, I'm Kate Lever, host of Who's a Good Dog? the podcast for anyone who's ever loved a dog. We're one of the other podcasts in the Stripped Media family. Each episode, I ask a brilliant person to introduce me to their dog and tell me how having a dog has changed their life. Listen to Who's a Good Dog wherever you get your podcasts. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome to the Flix Watcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish, and we will start with you, please, Kletchi, with your recommendability. It's too bad this is out of fire, as I said, 11. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to get a straight up five for me. If you want to see yourself on screen as a black person, watch this film. Um, the confidence from Jane Samuel, the visual aesthetics, it feels like a it feels everything that you would expect from a western, and then you're seeing that in a, the most stylish of way, and as I mentioned before, without the M word ever mentioned, that is a refreshing way of looking at a genre, and basing it on real life, um, with real life characters, and has that relatability involved. That in itself gives it the five star that it deserves. Katie. I agree with Kalichi. It's a five for me. It's just so watchable and it's so fu- so much fun. Yes, it is violent, but if you like violence, then <laughs> in a Western, then totally recommend it. Helen. Um, I'm going to go a little bit lower, mainly for the, the Western genre and also the violence as well. I think some people... <laughs> Breaking my heart, Helen. (laughs) (laughs) I really struggled with some. I think it It was tough. It was thought it was tough. The first, I think, the thing for me was that I really enjoyed it once Stagecoach Mary had kind of entered into their territory, and then it kind of became more of the kind of like the catty and mousy. But the build up to that, 
was a bit too westerny for me. But once they kind of got into the fighting and the action, even if it was a bit violent, and once they busted him out of jail, so that was it. So I think mm. also the bits where Idris isn't in it, I felt that maybe he could have been in it more. To be honest, I probably would not have watched this unless you'd picked it just because it's a Western. Mm. And that is enough, I think, for some people to go, I'm, I'm not interested. So I would say that even if, like me, you, you're not really into Westerns, there's other things that are in it that you can probably enjoy, providing you like lots of violence. <laughs> so there's, there's kind of like a little bit of a caveat but I was surprised that I enjoyed it as much as I did, considering it's a Western. And that is just how I feel about Westerns. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so what's that mean as a score? 4.5. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for 4.9. Um, it takes 0.1 off because of the violence in there. I think some people will be seriously put off by that. But anything else I think is like straight out, go for it. And I think... The, the bit that made me think of Tarantino most was because of the violence. And in particular, when Jonathan Majors shot that guy in the church and with one bullet, he went flying in the air. And then with like five other bullets, took him out whilst he was like midair. Um, which kind of reminded me of a scene in, um, what was that slave film he did? Um, Django Unchained. Django Unchained, where, yeah, he shot... You shot Christoph Waltz's character and he went flying back like that, that kind of, that kind of hyper, hyper realized violence. And that's what I was like, oh, it's taken a bit from Tarantino here. But yeah, apart from that, yeah, I loved it. Um, so 4.9. I think for me, it was the the guy with the gold teeth. Mm, that was tough. Oh, Wiley. Oh, yeah. Um, repeat viewing score. Kalechi. 4.8. And I mean, I could go higher, but yeah, but I would say 4.8. 4. Well, you can go higher. You can go to five. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go five because it is a kick-ass ride. Um, it's for me, it's not something that you see too often. I mean, I get what you're saying, Helen, in terms of it's a Western and that in itself puts people off because mm. um, it's not really for everyone in that respect. But I think it's one of those films where if you take that leap of faith, you'll be pleasantly surprised by what you get out of it. It was without a shadow of a doubt, my favorite film of London Film Festival. The amount of humor, the amount of swagger, the amount of confidence, the music, Regina King. What 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 more can you not? What more can I not say about this film? It is absolutely genius in what it does, and I've found myself. You know, I've already watched it three times since it came out for on Netflix. Oh yeah, that well, so, that's a straight yeah. up five. Then I don't know yeah, why so you. It's so, so it's four. I thought I was going. I was going four point just because I was thinking of everybody else in terms of being a western. But if I'm going by myself, of course don't I'm going myself. by myself. Yeah. I'm going by myself. Uh, Katie. Uh, I think I might, I'm just, I'm just thinking, because <laughs> I've only watched it once since watching it at London Film Festival. So you've watched it twice then? Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, as a repeat viewing, I've only watched it once compared to Kalichi's three times. Uh, so I'm just, <laughs> just thinking. So I probably, you know what, I'll probably go for a five as well, because not only does it, not only is it, stylish and stuff but also it has the violence that I can actually enjoy but also the comedy 
Mm. I think so. You think I think I think we should also mention the, its comedic elements, like for instance, the raid they do in the White Town, which is absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. White sand, white buildings. White, I know. And I it's, I remember watching this particular scene. I was I was looking looking at it. I was like, holy crap! I was. And then, I was- and then the cue card enough. And the cue card came up. It's a white towel. It's like, okay. Yeah. So it's like, they actually went there, and that and that takes serious balls. But it's the that's the kind of comedy timing, the and the visuals that I mm. also go. You want to go back for because there's not many films go there with such gusto. So uh, yeah, totally five. Helen. Um, not not as high. Two hours nineteen, so it, you've got to give a lot of time for this. Mm. Um, uh, Three point five. It's not one I'm going to immediately watch, but um, you know, never say never. Um, but I would be very interested to see what the director does next and and where he's going to go from that. Yeah, I thought it was a bit long. Um, I think I, I didn't feel the time, but I think the the, t- the length of time might make me think twice before pressing play again. And something that there's a lot of characters in it, which I loved, but also is like. I could have I could have done more time with Lakeith. Could have done time more, you know, with any of them together. And this is a problem I had with like Eternals as well. I was like, I really like this, but uh, one more time with Barry Keegan, more backstory, yeah, to find out a bit more about yeah. how they got to where they are. Yeah, exactly. It would, it would have been so. I don't. Maybe I want even longer film, but it wasn't. Are you, are you hinting at a prequel? <laughs> <laughs> That's what's going to happen. That's what yeah. it's going to be. Um, so I'm definitely going to watch it again. I'm not going to show sure how often, but let's go 4.5 here. But before we get to the small screen score, I just wanted everyone's mentioned the Western. I know, we know Helen's not a fan of the Westerns. Where are you, uh, Kletchy and uh, Katie, on Westerns in general? Is that, or, or do you have another genre which kind of just like, makes you sigh or puts you off immediately? When you think about Westerns, they all, until recently, mm. all followed a very formulate plot you have the same kind of gruff characters male characters and you and it just feels like could someone do something different but then you know you get to the what late the 90s when you had sam raimi do quick and the dead there is something different there well and the bench as, well. as, as a lead yes <laughs> exactly. no, but it, it, it was it was not you know it wasn't like clint eastwood in a poncho mm. or whatever what is and, <laughs> and you just want something different and i think because because the westerns have in my eyes been this old time old-fashioned film genre mm. not many modern audiences would naturally gravitate towards it unless there's something that will appeal to them and that's why I thought I thought the holiday fall speaks to so many audiences, not for those who just like westerns, but those who can, like you said, can identify themselves in the characters. So I think it just de- depends on what direction filmmakers want to take when when it comes to certain genres. What about yourself, Kalachi? Is there any any genre that you don't like particular, or is there, what what are your thoughts on westerns? I mean, my opinion on Westerns, I think it's always a, a very niche subject. I think Katie hit the nail on the head in terms of whether it has its appeal and what you and what the direction and time with it. My earliest memories of um, Westerns were with Clint Eastwood in, you know, The Fistful of Dollars and anything that's, you know, scored by Ennio Morricone, for example. Mm. Um, so that was always in the background, but it was never my sole interest so it was always my least favorites you know my favorite genre watching is science fiction 
because I love, you know, the different worlds, mm. um, the different stories. And I also think science fiction is probably the most flexible genre because it can be on one scale of the spectrum, very fun and engaging. So you get your Star Wars, um, your Guardians of the Galaxy. And then on the other side of it, you get your deep philosophical, you know, existential crisis films, you know, like your Blade Runners, your Space, mm. um, 2001 A Space Odyssey, for example. So Westerns never really appeal to me, but you have to do something very interesting for it to be there on my my watch list. Yeah. And I think that's what James Samuel did. He made this not only, you know, as I mentioned before about making it sure um, it's based on historical characters and bringing them to life and bringing in some, um, some elements, their story to life. But he also makes a very empowering film out of it that resonated so much with me that it, for me, it got me, when I saw the film, I wanted to go out and buy the cowboy hat. I wanted to get the bowler hat that Reggie King had. Yeah, I wanted to. I just wanted to get a cowboy hat. I wanted to find the nearest horse and just ride off into the sunset. That's basically <laughs> how. That's that's that. But that's the imagery you have. And I think when you look at when you when you look at representation, when you when you see yourself and you feel the vibe from it, you see yourself and you connect with those characters. The the power of the imagination of what you can be expands, and that for me is how. I want to see films for the next millennia. I just want <laughs> films that are are about empowering empowering cultures and seeing people in different lights, and that's what's really good about this film. I think for me, westerns. Are, I think it seems everyone here is like, I mean, western, and it has to be. There has to be like a bar. There has to be a reason to watch that. Like <laughs> Quentin Tarantino makes a western. James Cameron makes an all about western, and for me, I'm always like bummed out that uh, Back to the Future 3 is like as Western based. I'm like, oh, really? Could they have uh, gone into space? They should have gone into space. Yeah, they could have. I'm like, oh. okay, sure. Well, I mean, I'll watch it, of course, because it's Back to the Future 3, but I'm still, <laughs> still, still bums me out a bit as Western. Um, so it, it's interesting. Maybe it's just, our, you know, our generation being, you know, not not raised in it or feeling that it's like a, a, a great era of, of our history that not really recognise or care about. Um, but hey, there we go. Anyway, small screen score. I suspect this will be low uh, than the previous scores, but let's go to Kelechi first, your small screen score. I'm going to go with 3.8. Seeing it on the big screen mm-hmm. with the music, cinematography, and just what James Samuel does in this direction, it fills the big screen. If you are familiar with a lot of Westerns, you will see the familiar Western tropes and you know, the vistas, the mountains, and even just how it stages it and how it also plays with those tropes as well. Um, you know, there's one scene where Idris Elba, um, when he's, he's released from his, his cage, his cage mm. cell, he takes a breath and the screen fills up. And those kind of playful nuances, I think they play really well in a, in a, in a big screen. When you see it on a small screen, it's not to say you won't get the same experience, but I think it it lose it lose a little bit of those touches, but you still get the same playfulness. It's still the they're still there. The touches are still there. Um, it's just a different circumstance in a different environment. Um, so yeah. Oh, so what, what was your three point five? Three point eight. Three point eight. Sorry, Katie. I'm going to go around three point seven five. Um, it did it. 
I didn't have a problem watching it on a smaller screen. You could the the colors popped a bit better on a smaller screen, especially when you're a little closer. But yeah, I agree. You don't feel the same effect, the same emotional resonance with the landscapes and the vastness of the picture as if you were watching it at the cinema. Helen. So I this is another one it, it feels like it's come onto Netflix quite quickly and again this perhaps maybe had a, quite a short cinema release so I, I don't recall seeing seeing it at the cinema it feels like there's a there's, there's so much going on in terms of the, the color and the sound that it, it feels a little bit constricted on a TV but that said I wouldn't have seen it had it not been on Netflix because I would have gone ah western not going to do that so I'm going to give it a four because this is your opportunity to not be me and to take a chance on it. And you've got no excuse because all you need to do is press a button. So Kate and Coach, we have, Helen and I have a friend who doesn't watch animation and that's still, oh. every time I hear it, I'm like, I can kind of understand, uh, like we've been saying, he loves a Western actually, doesn't he, Will? He loves a Western. Yeah, he watches uh, <laughs> But I'm just like, oh, like two of my favourite films of the past 10 years, like Kubo and the Two Strings and um, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse are like both animation. I'm just like, and you're not going to see Inside Out either? What's the, what's the matter with you, boy? Uh, <laughs> it's like, you've missed like 10 years of Pixar magic. Like, you got, you That's know. That's basically got, all their films. That's all their films. Like, what about Studio Ghibli films? Uh, like, come on now. It's, it's Studio Ghibli. Chizu. Oh, was it? Studio Ghibli. Ch- Chizu as well. Oh, yeah, Chizu. Yeah. But there's even like adult animations as well. So this is not like, like children's like, animations. It's anything mm. animated. Cartoon Saloon. Yeah. Wolf, Wolf Walkers. Yeah. Oh my God, you, your friend's missing out. I feel sorry so for So maybe you. he feels the same way about those <laughs> Westerns. Maybe he's thinking, Unforgiven. All the John Wayne films, these four idiots on this podcast right now, they don't... Uh, so small screen score. Sounds like my dad. <laughs> uh, How did you know my dad? <laughs> just check the thumbs to our film quiz uh, every month. Um, you don't know that. Every Tuesday, like yeah. once a month on a Tuesday, come to to Soho to join our film quiz. A small screen score. I I was like, oh, I want to watch this in small. I want to watch this in the cinema. And you know, when Fella Coochie came on as well, Fella Coochie came on. It's like fucking hell. I should see this in the big screen somehow. Um, so I'm going to go for a three because I wanted I wanted to see this in the big screen at least, and I need to see it at least once in my life. Uh, Kletchi, engagement score. Um, I'm going to go four point five. Again, as for reasons I've said before, in terms of story, in terms of how James Samuel keeps the energy just vibrant, the colors, the cast, everybody is on their A game. And when you're telling that type of story and with the confidence and the swagger, it just makes a lot of empowering sense in that respect. So in terms of the engagement, it ranks, it ranks high, so 4.5. Katie? I think I'd have to give it the same score, 4.5. I mean, it's like if the opening didn't grab your attention, there's a consistency, there's a tone, and, and yeah, like you said, an energy that just drives the film, that it sees it from sequence to set piece to turning points whatsoever until that, that last fight scene, that pivotal fight scene. It's just relentless. It's ongoing, and it it's just enthralling throughout. Helen. There's a lot of characters in here, so you have to be pretty engaged to kind of work, work remember who's who and what their kind of like thing is. Um, so I'm also going to give it 4.5. But also for me, it was a bit like, oh, I've seen this person. What have I seen them in? What film it was in? 
Well, let's do a little bit check. Oh, yeah, it was that film. They were good in that. I like that. But who's this person? I haven't seen them before. <laughs> I have to have a little check. So that's why I can't give it higher than 4.5 because it did not. A little bit of IMDb going yeah, IMDb on. Today. I've seen them before. They were good in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dion Cole. He's got a few. He's got a few uh, stand-ups on Netflix. Check him out. He's really, he's really, he's one of my favourite people I've discovered in the past couple of years. And no, I discovered him. Um, <laughs> you put yeah, him on the James, map, Kobe. Chris, Christopher Columbus. This. James Samuels. Um, you should get this guy Dion Cole. Um, <laughs> put him in the film. But yeah, let's go for 4.5 engagement score for myself. Um, and that gives us an overall score of 4.37188. Um, again, small screen score here lets us down a bit. Otherwise, that would have been a touch higher. Um Everyone listening, do follow us on Twitter. We are at Flixwatcher Podcast. And the, one of the main reasons to follow us is because we tweet ahead of recording our episodes. So in this case, uh, we put a tweet out saying we're reviewing The Harder They Fall with Katie Smith Wong and Ke Enelu. Uh, that's how I say your, your Twitter accounts. Sorry, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and a score out of five stars for an on air shout out. And we got one response. Um, and I think that's mainly because it's a brand new film. But Kelechi, do you want to shout out the response? Uh, so this response came from um, Invasion of the Remake, and he says, I, Sam, thought it was about 3.5. Great acting and cast, great story. Okay, execution. I don't know why he wanted more for the execution. Yeah. Uh, or- yeah, I think execution was, everything was executed. Splendidly. Excellently. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent execution. Um, yeah. Clutching and Katie, can you sign up by letting us know where we can find you online? And we'll say goodbye to all of our listeners. So you can find me at Katie Henulo at, on Twitter. And if you want to follow my blog, it is at GeekMindUK. And that is available on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can find me at, at Katie Smith Wong on Twitter. And you can you can find my bylines on Flick Feast, Movie Market, Wadzilla, and New Scientist. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure talking about the Harder They Fall. Thank you. Pleasure, guys. Thank you. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood audio tell them Flixwatcher sent you you just heard a stripped media production